Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Thanks for joining me for another episode. I'm going to talk about something in this episode that I have never written about or talked about. And many episodes ago, I introduced the idea or started a list of behaviors that can really destroy financial well-being. And there's around a dozen of those behaviors. They were outlined in Facilitating Financial Health, a book that I co-authored with Ted and Brad Klontz. And one of those is called Financial Denial. This is pretty interesting. Let's talk about what denial is. And denial is a pretty significant and powerful coping mechanism, you could call it. It's something I think all of us have encountered. It's a term that's easily thrown around. It's usually applied to everybody but us. So what is denial? It is a mechanism that involves ignoring reality. And why would we want to ignore what is. Why would we want to ignore reality? I would suggest because there's anxiety that's involved with that. So denial is a way of not feeling anxiety. So it's a medicator, like a lot of our problematic financial behaviors are. It is in an IFS lens, something that parts of us use that are protecting those vulnerable and wounded parts of us, typically called exiles. So denial is just not acknowledging reality or denying the consequences of reality or denying that reality even exists. So when a person is in especially financial denial, it means that they're really struggling to accept something that is just overwhelming to their system, super stressful. And these parts of us are just shutting that down. And by saying what is isn't so, it soothes those difficult feelings. It can be very effective in the short term, but on Fortunately, in the long term, it can be incredibly destructive. So that's what we're talking about. And there's a lot of folks that live in denial and avoidance of reality when it comes to money. And this is something that we see in a coupleship fairly frequently is when one partner wants to address reality, what is, and the other partner doesn't. 
And oftentimes we don't understand that the partner that does not want to talk about what is, doesn't want to talk about the here and now, doesn't want to talk about reality, is probably not doing so just to upset their partner. Uh, They're probably doing so because the anxiety and the difficult emotions are so overwhelming that parts of themselves are just not letting them go there. There was a survey done of uh, about a 1,000 adults, and it found that 36% admitted they avoided thinking about their financial difficulties. So it's kind of interesting that one out of every three people are in some type of financial denial. And the interesting thing of those 1,000 people that were asked if they avoided thinking about their financial difficulties were aware (laughs) that they were avoiding thinking about their financial difficulties. How many of them said, oh, no, I don't avoid that at all because they were in so much denial that they didn't recognize that. And so what I'm suggesting is there's a couple phases, right? I think we've talked about the stages of change on this podcast. And the very first one is pre-contemplation, and that's you don't even know that there's an issue. And then there's contemplation that says, well, maybe that I'm willing to consider that. So I think in the most severe form of financial denial, you don't even know you're in denial. So I'm saying that to say maybe the number of people that have participated in financial denial are above 36%. Uh, Denial can happen to us regardless of our socioeconomic state. It doesn't matter if we're in the working poor, if we're ultra wealthy. Denial is completely across the board. And when it comes to uh, coupleship, it can really cause havoc, right? I mean... When you as a person, an individual, are in financial denial, of course, this can really impact your financial well-being. I think we can all accept that. It takes on a whole new dynamic when it's involved with a coupleship. When we're looking at a coupleship, denial can come in to two basic forms. One is when you have both partners in denial, and the other is when you have one partner in denial and one partner wanting to face reality. So that's what I'd like to focus on, because like I said, I've never done anything on specifically a person being in denial. I want to delve into this idea of what do you do when couples are facing denial of one or both partners? So let's consider the couple where they're both in denial. I think this is a pretty easy one. This couple is often happier, at least in the short term. There's no disagreement because there's no problem. There's no friction. Everybody's checked out. So in the short run, that really works well. Of course, the issue is when one or both in the coupleship wake up to reality and are kind of brought out of their denial 
and the financial damage that has happened could be far worse than in the couple where one is attuned to reality and the other one is not. So a crisis can become a much bigger crisis when both partners are in denial. The the problem with that is, I don't know, I wish I had a graph to show, you know, the happiness goes along and then you just get this huge spike when the denial is broken. And often by that time, the crisis is, is so big that the options are really limited to non-existent. So that's the issue. I remember that once said to a couple that was in denial, you know, you can choose to take action now when you both have control over the outcome and you have some options, or you can wait until this is a crisis and others make the decisions for you. In this particular couple's case, they decided to wait to remain in financial denial. And indeed, it turned to a complete crisis where they had very little control over the decisions that were made. So that's the first option. Some significant advantages and significant disadvantages. The second version of denial, which I think is the more popular, the more common, I should say, is... When one of the partners is in denial, the other one is wanting to address a reality. And in that particular situation, you've got continual friction, right? And that scenario, that dynamic, brings a lot of couples to financial therapy because the couple that's completely in denial, (laughs) they have no need of looking at anything or financial therapy. There's not a problem. Life is good. Why should we upset the apple cart, right? I can relate to that. But when you got one partner that keeps wanting to talk about this nagging issue and bringing it up, that can bring them right to therapy. And, you know, this can be just about anything financially. It could be drawing a will where one partner wants to face that and do it. The other partner feels so many difficult emotions that they completely want to avoid it. It can be establishing a retirement plan where one partner really wants to save, has their eyes on the future. The other partner probably has their eyes on the here and now and may be experiencing a lot of anxiety thinking about giving up what that money could do in the present to bring a connection with others or ease into the life or current pleasure in spending it in the here and now. The same with overspending, setting a budget, establishing emergency fund. I mean, all of these are things that can bring a lot of stress into a marriage when one is wanting to look at this, consider this, move ahead with this, and the other other partner is not. And as we've said many, many times, we need to understand, keep them in our mind, that the partner that is in denial just would appear to be the problem. But there is a good intention of what that 
partner is trying to accomplish, at least what parts of that partner is. They have good intentions, and that's what we need to understand. And the fact that there's an overwhelming emotion, vulnerability, tenderness, woundedness that typically a part of them is trying to protect. So this is an argument a couple ship can have over and over and over and over and over again without getting a lot of resolution. I think another dynamic, too, is when this couple comes in to see a financial planner and maybe to some degree a financial therapist. Not only can the other partner, the partner that wants to address it, be making the partner in denial wrong. I think that's pretty common. But so can the financial professional, right? It's pretty easy for a financial planner or an accountant to team up to pair with the spouse wanting to take action and trying their best to convince the partner in denial to change their mindset. I think we can understand how this would happen. You can take any example you want. Take establishing a retirement plan where one partner wants to cut spending, the other partner doesn't. How many financial planners are going to say, well, you know, maybe saving for retirement isn't a good thing. Maybe spending it all in the here and now is the way to go. (laughs) Or an accountant that's like, well, you know, maybe it's all right to continue to overspend. You know, you can just borrow the money. (laughs) So it's usually a challenge for the financial professional to not pair with the partner that wants to do what financially is the right thing to do, or at least appears to be the right thing to do. Um, And so when this happens, when you have the pairing of the financial professional with the partner that wants to address it, what's that going to cause? That's going to cause a triangulation where you have kind of a two against one scenario that usually will put the person in denial even more strongly in denial, uh, where they will dig in their heels ever more, even more, than moving ahead with the process. So it takes a lot of finesse, a lot of understanding, a lot of presence on behalf of the financial professional. And I said financial therapists, where financial therapists could do the same thing. And It's true. Hopefully, it has a higher chance of not happening than happening. But if you have a financial therapist who hasn't done their counter-transference work on their own issues and are, are really focused on the financial thing, and the financial professionals, I mean, typically, they're wanting the best for the couple, and the best for the couple would be resolving this issue and begin saving for retirement, let's say. In a 30,000-foot picture, that's not necessarily the wrong answer. But it's going to take a lot of listening, a lot of understanding to potentially understand why the partner in denial is there, what the needs are, and how they can move ahead. And typically, how both of these partners can really see 
underneath all of this, they want the same thing. They want connection. They want with each other. They want the best for themselves and their family, typically. So it's really important, as I said before, that we understand that the partner that's in denial is not acting illogically. And this is so important. So the parts of themselves that don't want to look at it, don't want to talk about it, are doing this for completely logical reasons. So lasting progress isn't going to be made until somebody, the partner or the professional, takes the time to really listen to the partner's protective part that's shutting down any discussion with genuine curiosity to understand that reason, not a manipulation, not in a sense of, okay, I'm willing to listen, tell me why. (laughs) So that's why I'm stressing genuine curiosity, really laying our agenda aside and getting very, very curious. Now, this is a lot easier for the professional to do than the partner. And I just know this by experience. I'm in a coupleship. And there are some issues that are so triggering to my parts. I just can't get to curiosity because I am so flooded and overwhelmed with knowing what the right thing is to do and underlying all of that within me. That's a protective mechanism, isn't it? Because I have vulnerable parts that also don't want to consider the alternative of not taking this action. So that's worth thinking about is, you know, always asking yourself, what are the hopes and fears? What are the hopes and fears on the part of the partner that's in denial? Can they ask themselves, well, what are you hoping to gain out of not wanting to discuss this? What's your fear if you will discuss this? An equal focus needs to be on the partner who wants to address it. Because they can be wanting to address it out of the same anxiety that the partner's feeling that doesn't want to address it. So there can be so much anxiety, and I can relate to this. I have been told one of my unique geniuses is going into action. I can go into action in a heartbeat. While some people call that a unique genius, oftentimes I'm going into action because of the anxiety I'm feeling. I'm wanting to quell that the anxious part that feels, well, okay, if we take action and do this and fix it or whatever, then we won't be anxious anymore. So it's really important for the other partner to consider, okay, what's my hope in establishing this retirement fund? And what am I trying to accomplish here? And what do I fear? What are my fears if this doesn't happen? And as you can probably guess, the answer in addressing this is oftentimes not 100% in favor of the denier and not 100% in favor of the person that wants to go into action. Sometimes the person going into action doesn't have all the information and is making up some stories that the situation is more urgent than it really is. Uh, Could that be? form of denial 
on the part of the other partner. It could be that they're not looking at reality either. So you have a situation here where <laughs> financial denial can be happening on both ends, and reality is somewhere between them. So that's some of my thoughts on that. And just underscoring it's so important for the denying partner to be heard and not shut down. And it is equally important for the partner that wants to move ahead to also be heard. And the best person to hear them is the partner. And that's oftentimes the last person that's really available to hear them. And that's why having an intermediary can really work to help create the safety where that intermediary can talk to each without being triggered and really let them tell their story while the other partner listens and can hopefully hear that. And so sometimes this is really helpful. Sometimes once a partner can tell their story and feel heard, they'll be open to taking in new information that can help them compromise or help them take a different path. Sometimes it's enough to take 180% different direction. So, I mean, you can never tell exactly what the outcome is, but hopefully it's an outcome that is in the best interest of each of the partners in the coupleship. So, I think there's another dynamic that can be in play here, which is when you have a couple, one in denial, one wanting to address it. The one wanting to address it doesn't want to rock the boat and just defers to the spouses that's in denial. And I think you could make a case that this particular couple might be in the most pain of all couples because the one that wants to look at reality by not saying anything is probably suffering twice as much as the person that's in denial. So that's another dynamic that we often see. So I hope this is giving you some things to entertain and think about. It's a pretty rich area and one that needs a lot of understanding and compassion by everybody involved, both partners and the financial professionals, to really help resolve and move forward in a way that's really financially empowering to everyone involved. Okay, I will look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.